Presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. The podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. I'm Joel Sutherland, your host for Your Church on Mission. Here's a question for you today, Pastor. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Now, I know it to you, it may seem like, well, that's obvious. There had to be a chicken first, right? I think there are some other people in the other camp that say, no, the egg came first. And the only reason I know that is that debate has been raging for a long time. People disagree on what comes first, the chicken or the egg, which is why we have that saying. I don't care about chickens or eggs. Let me rephrase that question for the pastor. What comes first, church health or evangelism? Now, that is a hotly debated topic among pastors, theologians, and those who are in the church growth world and and just in our circles. Let's bring it down on a practical level. That question matters to a pastor. How healthy does my church have to be to get my church to be on mission or to do mission? Because I know you as a pastor, you're listening to the podcast and you're sitting in your office maybe or driving in your car and you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I do first? Do I try to straighten out some of the issues in my church, get healthy and then grow? Or do I just go all in on mission and hope those problems take care of themselves. I'm joined today by my co-host, Scott. Scott, you've heard that debate rage before among pastors, haven't you? Oh, yeah, that absolutely rages. Unfortunately, I think sometimes it's not much of a debate for some churches. They've already made up their mind. You know, we're not healthy enough to do evangelism, so they don't even try. So that's that's part of the issue. But um I, I'm I'm interested to hear what our guest has to say about that today because um, it's one of those things where you know a lot of the things where where churches tend to say well we can't do evangelism yet because and then whatever becomes behind the whatever comes behind the because is usually something relatively immeasurable. Yeah, uh, we yeah. can't do evangelism because we haven't had spiritual awakening. We ha- can't have evangelism because we're not healthy enough yet. And it's kind of a squishy, vague, nebulous thing that keeps us from doing that, that if, if we ever, if it ever did show up, how would we know it? And then at what level do we say, okay, go, now we can do evangelism. And then when looking at evangelism, you have to think, well, you know, there are certain disciplines of the Christian life that are, you know, we, we, we do out of obedience to Jesus. So, you know, it, it goes to every other area. Do I do Bible study because I'm healthy? Hmm. Or, or am I healthy, uh, becoming healthy uh, as I do Bible study, uh, which comes first to chill? I don't edit that, edit that. <laughs> We're already messing up. I'm trying to get my thoughts straight here. You're okay. Um, for, like, for instance, like, you know, other dis- you extrapolate that out to other disciplines. Do I have to be healthy before I do Bible study or do I do my Bible study in order to be a healthy Christian? So it's very much a chicken or egg question, but but I think a lot of them aren't even engaged in the debate. They've already made up their mind. They can't do evangelism because they're not healthy enough. And I don't believe that's the right paradigm. That's right. That's right. Well, today's guest, Gary Comer, is the author of a new book called Remission, Rethinking How Church Leaders Create Movement. And before I introduce Gary, I'm going to read 
a sentence in the book. And, and that's how I'm going to introduce Gary. He says on chapter 27, help flows out of mission rather than mission being the byproduct of help. Gary, welcome to your church on mission. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Joel. Uh, great to be with both you and Scott. Hey, before we dive into the book, tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Yeah, I'm the founder of Soul Whisper Ministries. Um, uh, when I went back to do a, a doctorate study, uh, God rerouted my life, moving me from being a church planting pastor uh, into really being a mission development specialist. And that's the calling that God has put on my life. And uh, my heart and my passion is really to help churches to develop missionally. And I kind of backed into writing. I ended up writing a book in 2013 called Soul Whisperer. And that book is about uh, the ultimate soul whisperer, uh, which is Jesus and uh, his way of speaking into people's lives uh, for spiritual impact. Uh, and then uh, this year, I've uh, come out with uh, Remission uh, by Whitaker House. And uh, so really excited about it. And you, you, you nailed it. Uh, this is a book about uh, health, uh, remission. You think about cancer remission. Uh, you think about uh, getting healthy. And uh, I have a lot to say about how churches can be healthy in the missional sense. Oh, so, so I threw out the big sentence, I think, that at least get us launched into a discussion of the book, Health or Mission. In the book, you say mission uh, comes first. Unpack that a little bit for the audience. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, we have, you said it exactly right, we, we have two different uh, ideas that are floating out there, and, and one of them, the, the mantra might be, you know, make disciples, and you will get mission, and that idea actually is really the kind of the concept of renewal. Uh, people need, um, you know, yeah, they, they need spiritual growth, if they get spiritual growth, if they get enough Bible study, if they get enough nurture in their life, then they will do mission and they will grow in mission. And so I'm arguing, um, making a case really for the opposite side, do mission to get disciples, do mission first, uh, put mission first, put the, the, the great call first because it's preeminent. It's what we are called to do. And from the very beginning of Jesus calling his disciples, uh, I will make you fishers of men. Uh, I'm going to engage you in this process of fishing for men right from the get-go, right from the beginning. Uh, the, the call uh, upon the, the early Christians, uh, you'll be my witnesses. Uh, he has called us uh, to, to get out there. Uh, it is in the, the process of going uh, that much of the learning takes place. Uh, we, we, we learn dependence. Uh, we really learn um, how to, uh, in a way, uh, be in an intimate kind of relationship with God who is active in the world, who is engaging in the world, who loves the world. Uh, there's all sorts of mission formational aspects that happen only when we get out there. And so uh, when I look at the church, I, I just want to say, you know, Jesus talked to the young rich ruler and he said, you know, one thing you lack. Uh, if I look at the church here today, what, what do we lack? We lack mission formation. Mm -hmm. uh, we lack the spiritual formation that, that has to do with our missional development. And that includes evangelism. Absolutely. So what do you say to the pastor who says, Gary, yeah, but you don't know my church. There, there are a lot of issues that I need to correct 
first before we can be missional. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not unempathetic uh, to leading. I've been a pastor for a couple of decades. I understand uh, many of those challenges. Uh, but, you know, as leaders, we have to be able to see what is the thing that we're aiming for. What are what are we going after? And uh, I believe that, that pastors need to have a real clear vision uh, that these people who've been entrusted to them, who've been given to them, uh, have also been entrusted the gospel. And we have a, a call and a, and a challenge to raise them to be effective and fruitful as disciple makers in their communities and in the world. And so, um, sure, you got those problems to manage, and sure, you got to work through some of that stuff, but you have to have that preeminent vision, that priority. And I really believe it is the vision of Jesus. And so, in the book, uh, that's the pattern chapter, I, I, wanna, I want the leader to really see exactly uh, what it is that uh, Jesus has put as a vision for his followers. And I, we have a, a little phrase that we use uh, it, with Souls for Ministries. We call it, uh, followers are fulfillers. Uh, Jesus came to fulfill the work. And if you look at John 14, 12, he, he says, if, if you're a follower of mine, you will be doing the works that, that I am doing. And also in the, in the high priestly prayer, uh, Jesus said, you know, I have glorified the Father by completing the assignment that he gave me to do. And so followers are fulfillers. You know, we need to be about the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Uh, otherwise, we're really, truly not following Jesus in his pattern. Okay, so what, what, what role, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, what, what role does redefining maybe some definitions play in casting that vision for, for church. I mean, what, what, like, I think what you just did with really clarifying what it means to be a follower and the outcome of fulfilling the great commission. Uh, do you think that there's a lot of work around that that needs to be done in churches before they get that vision? Uh, well, I do. And I think that there is a lot of work and that's why you write books in, in, in a sense, you know, because there is a lot to unpack and uh, you know, I, I'm really clear uh, in remission to say that raising the missional prowess, the mission prowess and the effectiveness of the body is a huge undertaking and a big challenge. And the reason why we don't see greater statistics and greater fruit from the body when we look at it at it all is because it is a challenge. So let's, let's, let's realize that it's difficult. And yet we are given the, the mantle as leaders of breaking it down and helping our people uh, to do the difficult. And so a lot of the things that I, that I do in the book is to try to bring uh, clarity to how, to how do we shape mission culture? And then how do we shape disciples who are truly emulating Christ in his me method and his manner? And what I do in the book, um, I develop uh, and have really coined 10 skills that every believer and member uh, needs to learn and practice. And they're not going to truly get these skills outside of practicing them. So the engagement part is very important. But I believe that those skills are critical. I know both of you have a huge heart for evangelism. And I have an awful lot to say about how we can broaden the skill development of our people for evangelism. 
Okay, so um, missional skills, uh, discovering the gospel key. It, that's number one? Yes, there's 10 skills that are in the book, kind of inter, interwoven in the book. And, and so in, in some ways, I'm, I'm asking the leaders to, to look at their whole culture. How do they lead in such a way that they can shape mission culture? And what I mean by that is, I, 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 how do they lead in such a way teach in such a way and lead in such a way that their people interface with the world in a fruitful and effective way. And how do we, how do we get better at interfacing, connecting and reaching people? But yeah, there's, there's a number of skills that are very precise and very specific about how to go about that. And the thing about it, and this, this is really what I believe. I believe that the skills are all there in the Bible they're all there practiced in the life of Christ. And as we learn to em emulate him and practice some of these skills, we will be more effective, but we'll also become more like Jesus. Okay, so some of the skills that I, I believe that the church needs in a big, big way is that we need positioning skills. We, we need skills that are going to help our people to more naturally get alongside non-believing people where influence can eventually happen. And so, you know, I wrote Soul Whisper, and the subtitle of the book is Why the Church Must Change the Way It Views Evangelism. And so I'm, I'm orthodox. I'm not saying changing the gospel. I'm saying, you know, how, how do we go about this in a more effective way? We need to see it differently. And, and I really believe that uh, we need to see uh, the importance of getting along side people relationally, not merely telling people that you bump into or interjecting or even making a transition in a conversation, not necessarily that, but how do we get in position relationally and then enter into, develop the skills to enter into deeper conversations where influence can unfold. And so, and that soul whisper is an influence paradigm. And that's, that was my big premise there is to say that, that, that influence is, is the focus of Jesus in his conversations. He, he gets deeper with people. But you made a great uh, point about that in the book when you said, can you imagine Jesus going on a food run with the bros instead of going to share the gospel with the Samaritan lost Samaritan woman? Um, yeah. That's building yeah. a relationship with people who are far from Christ. Yeah, and he does all sorts of things. And, and just, just think about this. I, I really believe that we have Christians in every one of our churches who are bypassing opportunities to reach people because they really have the wrong view of what God is calling them to do. If they um, were more clear on how to go about getting alongside people, we would see a lot more people reached. So those are positioning skills. And, and I, I name them, I, you know, I, I, in, in evangelism, I say, hey, listen, it's not a skill that has a name. You have to know what you're doing, right? So, you know, one of the skills is called framing. And let me illustrate this, okay? So I am meeting right now with um, our local imam. And we've been meeting uh, every week for a year and a half. And so we've developed uh, a, a real friendship. So you might ask, well, how, how did that happen? Well, I had a chance through a friend to, to go out to dinner with him. We, we had dinner. And then, um, you know, hey, I wanted to, I wanted it not to just be a one-time conversation. 
I want to reach this guy for Christ, right? So if, if that's going to have a chance, I'm going to have to figure out how to get alongside him. So framing is me calling up to the mosque and asking for him and saying, hey, hey, how'd you like to get together? Uh, I just love to, you know, get a chance to get to know you a little bit more. So we meet at Starbucks. And then in that conversation, I'm framing it forward. Hey, you know, I'd really love to learn more about what you believe, your faith, get to know you more. And I'd love to share more of my faith. Um, how would you like to get together each week so we can do that? And so that's how I got beside uh, this imam. And uh, we've developed a beautiful friendship. And so, you know, my heart is to see him come to Christ. Um, but I do that with lots of people. And I teach people how to do that. And there's various skills related to that skill. And that's just one. <laughs> that's just one. That's just an example. Mm -hmm. Are there things like that in the book, Gary, that a pastor can read, take out, and implement uh, with his congregation uh, over time or even some immediately? Yeah, the, the skills are there. Um, they're listed in the back. They're throughout the book. They're illustrated. And you mentioned the, the gospel key earlier. And that's a, that's a very dynamic gospel sharing key. And, and that's one that needs to be taught in a training context that's usually interactive. That's not usually the stage, right? If you're trying to do it all from the stage, you, you're probably going to fail. I'm just, I'm just sorry that, that the permeation of this mission formation that we need to see happen in the body just doesn't happen that way. You've got to create some other avenues where um, it's interactive and, and you're really getting into the nitty gritty of the training. And then you're also doing it. You're getting out and there's coaching and there's situational feedback. But, but let me just, I'll share a story about the gospel key. So what Jesus does that's so dynamic and so fascinating is that he reads every individual person. And so the conversations that we see him ha happening are entirely unique, but they're not just, not just unique, they're, they're profound, they're, they're deep. He's reading the person. He meets with uh, Nicodemus, and, and basically in that conversation, man, he lands a booming message to this guy. All your religiosity means nothing is basically what he told Nicodemus, <laughs> you must be born again. And boy, that message was powerful, disturbing. But Nicodemus followed him later. And then we see him next in John 4. Here he is with the Samaritan woman. She's an entirely different person, a commoner. She's out, and, you know, just getting, getting water. And so how does he speak to her? He talks to her about something also very deep, a deep, thirsting need in her life life that he's aware of he's that's evidenced by all these relationships that she's had with all these men and you know he basically communicates that there is uh, this living water there's there's something that 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 she can receive uh spiritually that would fill her and uh and it's a powerful message but each one of those are examples of jesus kind of speaking into their lives according uh, to their needs um, one of the uh, stories, is it okay for me to share a, a real life story on this? Oh, you bet. Uh, <laughs> okay. So here, here's one of the stories from the book, and this happened not that long ago. But So one of the people that we've trained is out at uh, uh, connecting with somebody that, that she had met, and, uh, and this Japanese woman 
begins to open up and really unload on what is happening in her marriage. Turns out her husband has confessed to having been with a hundred other women. And she is just devastated. And she's there and she's crying and this whole thing. And, and yet um, uh, this, this person who uh, I've trained her name to Dana, you know, she's, she's thinking, well, what is this? What is her need? What, is, what does she really need to hear? And so she, she looks to um, a massive planner that's over by the table. And she says, Mako, you were not designed to be able to carry that planter. And you cannot carry this burden. But there is one who can. And she goes and she shares Christ with her through that um, deep connection with this need that she is having right there. And, she, and Mako ends up coming to Christ. And there's all sorts of incredible things that have happened out from that story. But, um, um, but I, I love that. That's the gospel key. It's reading a person's need. What are they at right now? What are they going through? Sometimes it's a little more dramatic like that one. Sometimes it's just deep storylines of people where the gospel communicates something. It speaks to their present life. It speaks to their issues and their, their needs and where they're at. Well, Gary, how intentional does a believer have to be in, in building those relationships? And it seems like we kind of exhaust our supply of lostness early on in the Christian life, if we're not careful, the lostness around us. Yeah, we need to be intentional. We, we have to have the same heart as Christ, who is the friend of sinners. We, we have to realize that we are here with a calling from God to reach this world. That's why we're here. And if we don't love these people, then, then how are we being like him? Uh, we have to have that love. If I don't have an inclusive love and want to see other people come to Christ, how am I like Jesus? That's what he, he, he came and he gave himself for us. You know, why shouldn't we give ourselves for others? And I do, I'll say this, and I, and I say this in my books, you know, um, one of the ways we fail, we fail because we, we, we don't teach positioning skills. We don't teach our people how to get alongside other people. Um, that's a big problem, but um, we, when we get to, into the relationship, often we're not committed to these people. We're not committed enough. You have to, you have to be committed to them. I, I've had a long, quite a few journeys with people. I journeyed with an atheist for nine months. So we met every week for nine months. And at the beginning of that, I never, ever thought this guy was going to come to faith because he was entrenched. But I journeyed with him, and God ended up opening up what needed to happen in that relationship, and he came into the faith and is walking with the Lord now. But had I not gotten out there, there was one time he, he said this. He said, God, you have journeyed with me for seven months. He, he told me that. He looked at me, and I told him, I journey with you for another seven months if, if that means you come into the faith. And so um, here, here's the truth about our culture today. It's more distant with more people who are farther away. So if they're farther away, how does the church adjust? We need to teach our people to go the distance with people. And also these stories are amazing. They will set your church apart. They will rock it, man. They, they're big. You reach somebody who's farther out, 
and there's a big story to be told and there's lots to learn. So what I tell the pastors is bring those stories in, talk about the engagement, talk about what's happening, talk about the learning. Don't just talk about the attractional story, tell the missional story, tell the movement story of what God's doing. Uh, people get excited, you know, and I say the other thing is have your people who are journeying alongside people, baptize people. Hmm. They should baptize. Why is the pastor baptizing everybody? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get in a big debate on authority and all, all the different things there. But I, what I am saying is, don't we want to communicate that, that these people are doing the work that God is calling them to do and look at that person journey with that person and they're baptizing them. How exciting is that? I love that. I love that. At the very least, yeah. if a pastor has an issue with it, somebody can get in the waters with them, you know, yeah. be part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You can, you can put your team, your staff or whatever in there with them. That's all you have to do. Yeah. It sounds like there's a way to kind of reach a tipping point uh, when some of these concepts and skills actually begin to catch that you can make it a little more visual, maybe uh, create that tipping point where people begin to see the culture of the church changing, that they see the missional nature um, of the vision that's, that's coming to fruition. And, and then you can kind of celebrate those wins. Um, what, what, what other things along those lines have you seen churches do uh, that, that really make it, um, well, celebratory and, and really a big deal, like, like the baptism idea? Yeah, you, you know, being able to talk about in engagement and being able to celebrate engagement, one of the things that, that is very important, don't just celebrate when someone's going to be baptized. Celebrate engagement when your people are getting into circles that are outside the church and in an ongoing way, they're in those relationships, they're building relationships with a Hindu or a, a, a Muslim or, or, or someone who doesn't believe, a skeptic or, or someone who's just irreligious. I mean, wherever you can kind of tell the story and bring that out. Um, I would shine a spotlight on it. Uh, it, it, it puts a spotlight on what's happening during the week, not just what's happening at the service. And it puts the spotlight on members for their in involvement. And the, boy, the excitement of that. I, I tell a story in, in remission where uh, a pastor had, had done a series on honor and he really honored kind of all the kind of higher up people within the culture and the church and all that. But he did not have a moment to hire, to uh, honor the member, the rank and file member. <laughs> and for me, I felt like though members don't have a leadership role, gosh, they've been given this great assignment. <laughs> and what an incredible thing to be able to, to, to bring that the light in a way that the entire congregation just sees, wow, man, I've been given the gospel. And we have this dynamic message to bring to the world and, uh, you know, and be able to find ways to just celebrate it. Of course, you can get it on video, do that. I, I think the attractional store, story is told, I mean, probably 95% of the time in churches versus the missional story. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think you may be right. Hey, Gary, man, thanks for being on the podcast today. Uh, tell our audience where they can get the book and how they can connect with you, maybe on a website or something like that. Yeah, the, the book is, you can grab it online just about everywhere. Uh, everyone's got it, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Lifeway, they all have it. And uh, then reaching me, Twitter is a good place to connect with me. You certainly can follow me and direct message me. Uh, but also, I have a website. It is soulwhispererministry.com. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to love to contact with you. Hope you hope you get the book. I uh, first first I'm, my passion is mission, but also my other gift is writing. I hope people can get a chance to get into kind of the the development of the concepts. Yeah, we'll Thank put you. an Amazon. Yeah, I, I, I can to the book in the, in the show notes. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. Um, yeah. An Amazon link in the show notes would be fantastic. You know, I can see where a lot of pastors could easily, uh, you know, leverage the 10 skills as a teaching series. And I'm sure many pastors do that, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. Practical. That'd be great. Yeah. In there for pastors. Yep. We'll put a link to the book. We'll put a link to your uh, website and your Twitter handle as well. Hey, Gary, thanks for being on your church on mission. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog, www.namb.net forward slash Your Church on Mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net.